Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right. It is time. It is time to make your way back to your seats. Are you ready to hear a word from the Lord? Yeah. I mean, that's why we gather together, right? Is to hear from the Lord. Why do we want to hear from the Lord? Why do you want to hear from the Lord? Is it so you can go back home for the rest of the week and stay the same? No, it's so we can be changed. So let me pray real quick. Lord, just just help me. I just need your help, Lord. I, I desire to glorify you and honor you, so just help me to do that with this message in Jesus' name. So, before we dive into the message, I want to share something that the Lord showed me. And I, I don't know if Chris said anything like this last week, but either way, the Lord confirmed it. And that's that this series, Canopy, is a series that will mark our church, and it'll mark our hearts if we allow it to. So it's similar to some other series we've done in the past, one being Amplify, which I don't know how many years ago that was now. Amplify, four years ago. Um, And there's probably a lot of you that have not heard of that series or listened to any of those messages, but they're on the podcast if you want to listen. But it's these times and these seasons that the Lord is giving us the stepping stone. And he's saying, okay, you're ready to level up. You're ready to come up higher. That, this is one of those series. But the deal is this. We can't keep doing things the old way. Like the old church days, those are, those are done. Those are over with. And it's because the old way cannot hold the new outpouring that God has for his church. It just can't. And the new outpouring consists of more of his presence, more of his spirit, more glory, more power and authority for us here on the earth. So the old church days are gone and over with. And I'll tell you what, that new outpouring, that is what the enemy has been fighting against. So, you know, the last couple years, and it's continued on, it's just this, these are the only words I have for it, this demonic craziness. It's this chaos and confusion, this continual, you know, swirling of of fear Fear has literally been crippling the church because the enemy knows what's coming. He's been trying to push that back, but God is saying this. He's saying, you know what? What he's been doing is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. So my encouragement to all of us is that we don't just come here and fill a seat on Sundays that we are here and we are open to what God has to do, all the new things he has to do so we can go back and we can actually be his word through the week. Let's be hearers, uh, not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So I want to take just a few minutes to recap some of Chris's message from last week. So he talked about how there is a canopy that the Lord has set over us. And underneath the canopy consists of All the things from the church to government 
to family, to the marketplace, and then all the authority structures that go with those things. And then he gave us Isaiah 4, and it says, For over all the glory there will be a canopy. Staying underneath the canopy gives us a place of protection and intimacy. Those are good things. I want those. And then he said, but what's above the canopy? The word is above the canopy. That's what holds it up. And it's because it's the highest authority. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Chris said, your agreement with God's word manifests authority in your life. Who would like to live with some power and authority? Come into agreement with God's word. You'll see that happen in your life. And then he said, be careful what you agree with, because in the garden, the enemy went right after agreement. He went right after the word, right? He asked Eve, did God really say? And for me, that was one of the most powerful parts of your message, because I thought, that's exactly what the enemy did. He, was, he came in because he wanted to sever that agreement that Adam and Eve had made with the Lord. And he has not stopped doing that. He comes at you every single day because he's trying to get you to sever the agreement that you have made with God because he wants you to agree with him. He wants you outside the canopy. So today we're talking about the authority of the church under the canopy. What does it look like to be under the authority of your church leaders? What does it look like to be teachable underneath your church leadership? Now, as Chris said last week, there's a tension, right, when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, God wants us to submit to our authorities, to our leadership within the church, but it's when they themselves have remained under the canopy of his truth. Once they step outside the canopy, that's when we get to say, you know what, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God. God rather than man. If you've stepped outside the canopy, I'm going to stay underneath the protection and intimacy of God's word. You know, it's similar to Daniel in the Old Testament. His authority said, you cannot bow, you cannot worship, you cannot pray to your God. Daniel's like, nope, sorry. I got to obey God rather than man. The disciples were told by their authorities, you guys got to zip your lip about this Jesus. They said, nope, no way, sorry. Got to obey God rather than man. So there is a time and a place and there are situations that come about where we do have to say, okay, are my church leaders stepping outside the canopy of God's truth? Because if if they are, I I can't follow them anymore. There is a time for that. But here's the thing. We have to equally be asking ourselves, have they stepped outside of the canopy of God's truth? Or have they, stepped, have they stepped outside of my own opinions and feelings? That, that's a hard one, though. That's a hard one to be honest with ourselves about. But it's real important to ask ourselves that when we're talking about submitting to the authority of the church. Because, see, the enemy has done a real good job of causing us to submit to our own feelings and opinions instead of biblical truth. I want to say that one more time. We're living in a time where the enemy is fooling us into believing that our feelings and opinions are higher than the truth. So we submit to those instead of his word. See, that's why churches are filled with people who don't, they don't have a solid foundation in God's word. They don't know how to stand on the truth because they haven't been taught to. They haven't been challenged to stand on the truth of God. And I think it's because 
many churches in America have been so concerned about making sure that everybody's happy, making sure nobody gets their feelings hurt. So they say, you know, we're going to preach the word, but not that part of the word. We're going to talk about that sin, but you know what? We're not going to talk about that sin because that can be offensive. So let's, let's skip over that part. And so the result is we have a generation of people who think that their feelings are the truth. Right? It's the whole your truth, my truth. What you think is true might not be what I think is true, but we can still love each other and get along and we'll all be happy. But see, that whole thing is full of lies and full of confusion. That has, that has the devil's footprint all over it. And we're seeing the result of that kind of thinking in our culture right now. Because feelings have become the gauge for truth. But scripture tells us things like this in Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things. Proverbs says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But listen, don't get me wrong here. I am not saying that feelings don't matter because they do matter. God gave us feelings and emotions for a reason. That's how we connect with God. That's how we connect with each other. So underneath his canopy, those are good and beautiful. I I have plenty of my own feelings. Right, Jared? (laughs) Just talk to him after church. You ask him about my feelings. But what I know for certain after 48 years of this life and a lot of crap that's happened in my life is that my feelings very often do not represent the truth. But we're living in times where feelings have become the ultimate authority. And there's been this church culture that's been created that really doesn't look much different than the world. But we are supposed to reflect God's image, not the world's image. We're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to influence the culture, not the culture influencing us. But Christians have gotten real comfortable with what the world is offering them because, to be honest, the, the big church has not been offering us much different than what the world's been offering. And our behavior reflects that. So we see things like this within the church. We see, um, I'll use myself as an example. So I'm offended by that. I'm offended by what they said. That made me uncomfortable. Or that made, I think that might have made my mom uncomfortable. Or I don't agree with that. I don't like the way that's being taught. And when people start to feel that, like what's, what do you see happen usually when people start to feel that way? That's right. They hightail it out of there. They don't stay. And you know why? Because people don't fight for anything. That's what the world tells us, just give up. People don't fight for their marriages or their families or each other. They don't fight for their freedoms that God's given them. And listen, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's never a time to leave something. I'm not saying that God won't pluck you out of a church you've been in to plant you somewhere else for his purposes and his plans. There's a lot of good reasons to leave a church sometimes. Sometimes you've just outgrown a church. Like sometimes God's like, okay, time to level up. Got to move you here. But what I am saying is that I think many Christians are standing on sinking sand. And they don't even realize it. 
because they haven't been taught what it means to stand on the firm foundation. So the moment something gets uncomfortable within the church, the moment there's an offense, the moment that, you know, something isn't done, your preferred way of doing things, people just leave. They haven't been taught to contend for their faith, to contend for the truth, to contend for each other. Because feelings have become our compass. And I think it's because pastors and preachers and Christian leaders have been more worried about being nice than being truthful and bold preaching the word of God. And listen, I know all about the verse that says, well, we need to speak the truth in love. Absolutely. Do you know the, the proper translation of that verse is truthing in love? Because the most loving thing you could do for someone is share them the truth of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth will, will draw them to Jesus. We need preachers who are willing to stand boldly and truthfully on the word. So this brings me to the book of 2 Timothy. So Timothy was Paul's ministry partner, and Timothy was just this young guy, but he was pastoring and preaching to several New Testament churches, and Paul kind of took him under his wing. So he says this, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 3. He says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. I think it's interesting that Paul didn't say, hey, Tim, just, just preach the parts you understand. He didn't say, you know what, just go ahead and pick out the parts you agree with and just preach on those. He said, preach the word of God, all of it. And I would, I would challenge people and even challenge myself with this, that if you attend a church where the messages never make you squirm just a little in your seat, where you're never made to feel just a little bit uncomfortable, or your opinions and your feelings are never challenged and feel like maybe they're buttoned up against something, you might be in a church that's not preaching the word of God, at least all of it. So he says, preach the word of God, and then he follows it up with this. He says, whether the time is favorable or not. That's a real important part of that scripture. So it means things like this. Continuing to agree with God's word that something like homosexuality is a sin, even if it's the month of June in America. Even if it's drag show story time down at the local library which is happening in this nation, in this state, probably in our city. It means continuing to stand on that truth, even if you love someone who's gay, which I want to tell you, I do. I have someone I have known my entire life who is gay, and we have a good relationship, and I'm not going to judge him. I respect him as a person, but I will never come into agreement with his sin just because it's not a favorable time in history to not agree with it. 
I, I will not come into agreement with his sin just because it might hurt his feelings. And listen, because I know sometimes our minds will go off on these rabbit trails. I want to clarify something. I'm not saying that every time I talk to him, I'm like, by the way, open your Bible because this is what the Word of God says. You know, the truth is that you're living in sin. I don't do that. In fact, it's been 15 years since I found out he was gay. We've never even had one conversation about it. You know why? Because he knows where I stand. He knows what I stand on. Now, if he ever tried to push that on me or my children or, you know, ask my opinion, I would stand on the truth of God. I would defend the truth. But it's not about pointing out people's sin all the time. That's not what I do. That's not what we should be doing. But we also shouldn't stay silent or cower away from the truth when given opportunities to stand on it and speak it and defend it. And I think the Lord's been giving us lots of opportunities to do that over these last few years. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think we've reached this point in history where we have television shows dedicated. It's called Drag Kids. It's on cable. You can watch it. It's 9 and 10, 11-year-old boys dressed in drag, dancing provocatively in front of a room full of adults. I don't, I don't think we got here because the church has used its voice. I don't think we got to the point where a five-year-old can choose its, their gender and where the parents and adults rally around the child and confirm and affirm that lie to the point where surgeons are now performing these surgeries on young children, mutilating their bodies to confirm a lie. I don't think we got there because the church's voice has been louder than the world's voice. I don't think we got to where now you can be sued and prosecuted for using the wrong pronoun of someone because the church has been using its voice. And isn't it interesting? Every single thing that I've said here has to do with what? Identity. Whose image we were created in. That is what the enemy is after. I want to share this story. This is a really good story. So this was about 13 years ago. I went to this women's conference and I met this lady who we were chatting. She was part of the conference and she was sharing with me that she had started a ministry to help people come out of the homosexual lifestyle. And she started it because she herself had lived in that lifestyle, like the deepest, darkest depths of it. And God saved her and delivered her from the lifestyle. But here's, here's the, the good part. She said, but he didn't deliver me from the feelings that I have. She was delivered out of the lifestyle, but not delivered from the feelings of same-sex attraction. But she decided she loved the truth more than she loved the sin. She chose to agree with the word instead of agree with her own feelings. That's powerful. And here's, here's what I think. If she had never heard the truth, if she had never come across a friend, family member, podcast preacher, whoever it was that put that, planted that seed in her, how would she have known there was another way? How would she have been open to hearing what God had to say about it? 
You know, I think a lot of us, we, we're leery about sharing the truth with people because our hearts are good. We don't want to offend people. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but we forget this. See, the truth isn't just about giving someone information. The truth is a weapon. It's a weapon. God says so. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The truth is a weapon. When you share the truth with people, you will empower them to break off bondage, to break off chains. Paul goes on and he tells Timothy, Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. So our church leaders are responsible for all of those things. Listen, I don't think it's because they necessarily want to be. I mean, do, do you love being corrected? No, most people don't love being corrected. And to be honest, most people won't stay long enough after being corrected to ever be rebuked. But they're called to do it. That's what God tells them to do. In fact, that's what keeps them and us under the canopy. That's what helps keep us on the narrow path. So our church leaders should be challenging us. They should be holding us accountable. So if you're someone who, you know, they find out you're having sex outside of marriage, They'll come to you and they will show you, they'll correct you, they'll say, you know what, that's wrong and this is why it's wrong and harmful and they'll use God's word to show you that. And then if you continue on, they'll rebuke you. A rebuke is strong disapproval. If you're somebody who, you know, maybe you're talking about with some friends like, oh, I went and got my palm read (laughs) or I visited a psychic or I played with the Ouija board last night and talked to my dead grandpa, whatever it is. A church leader will come to you and they'll say, you know what, that is really wrong and dangerous and harmful, and this is why. This is what God's word says. They'll use the word of God to correct you and then rebuke you if you continue on in that behavior. But here's the most important part, I think. A good church leader will always, always direct you and encourage you to go to the word of God. They'll say, why don't you search it out and you find it out? Don't just take my word for it. You get in this. You find the truth. You know, I've gone to this church basically since it started, and there have been a handful of times where I disagreed with something or I was uncomfortable with something. And I went, most of those times, I went to one of the leaders and I expressed how I felt and we communicated and I was given advice and all the things and these conversations happened. But what I had to do is I had to go back with everything I was given and I had to take it to the Lord, right? And take it to this. And I had to ask the Lord, Lord, examine my heart. And then I had to look within my own heart, right? And here's what happened. Sometimes I would realize, okay, hold on a second. I have to I have to realign myself and my own feelings with this. I'm, I'm out. I'm outside of the canopy. And sometimes I would say, you know what? Okay. 
I still don't agree with that. I'm still pretty uncomfortable with that. But it's not outside of the canopy. It's not outside of God's word. It might not make me happy. But I'm going to submit myself to the authorities in my church, you know, that are making this choice I don't necessarily agree with. But I'm going to stay under the canopy of that authority that God's put in my life. A, a more recent example of this, and I had their permission, but there were some people that um, they weren't happy about the fact that, or they were uncomfortable with the fact that our church had hosted a concealed carry class earlier this year. It made them uncomfortable because they have certain views and thoughts on, on the whole gun thing, right? So they were very uncomfortable with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But they went to some of some leaders and they had good conversations, they said. The conversations were really good. Didn't change their mind, but the conversations were really good. And ultimately they had to go back to God's word and determine, okay, is this an emotional response that we're having based on our own feelings and opinions, or is this outside of God's word? And they discovered. It was not outside of God's word. And so they chose to let that go and continue to walk underneath the canopy and the leadership, the church leadership that God had put in their lives. And you know what? I don't know. I, I think that's rare for people to do that, for people to say, you know what? Let's take the time to take this to the Lord. <laughs> like he's the ultimate authority. He will help you figure it out. Okay, moving on. Paul says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So a time is coming. I think we're in a time where people will no longer stay under the canopy. They're literally going to go search for teachers and preachers preachers who will validate their own feelings and opinions. And unfortunately, those types of people and teachers and preachers, they exist all around us. You will not have a hard time finding someone who will pat you on the back and say, it's okay. We agree with, with you. And it says they will disregard the truth of God's word and they will chase after myths. So they're going to chase after things that don't even exist. There's no truth that exists outside of God's word. There's just not. That's why he placed the canopy over us. It's our protection. It's where we can have an intimate relationship with the Lord and with each other. We're not going to find it outside of the protection of the canopy that he's put over us. And listen, I know there's people unsaved and saved, right, who live outside of that canopy all the time. And they seemingly live good lives, right? And God's a good father. He's going to love you no matter where you're at. He's going to chase after you no matter where you're at. But the problem is this. When you've stepped outside of the canopy, the enemy is just waiting for you. Because you're in his territory now when you're outside of the canopy. And you will not have the protection of the word. So he'll come after it. And he'll start to get you to question it. Did God really say? A few weeks ago, Sarah Hedman posted a picture of her daughter Evie's drawing um, on social media. And this was before I even started 
writing this message. But when I saw it, I knew the Lord was saying, you're going to use that. And when you look at that, I think, wow, what a great picture of what it looks like to stay within the canopy, within the boundaries of what God has set, with the structures of what God has set. God is telling us, this, this is where I want you. Underneath the canopy of my word, underneath the canopy of my protection and my glory, that's where we find life. That's where we find beauty and connection and things that will make us feel just alive. And we, we ourselves will be full of God's glory when we stay underneath that canopy. But when you step outside of it, there's no life there. There's no truth outside of that. There's nothing that will truly fill you up outside of the truth of God. Evie, that's a beautiful picture. Don't ever stop painting and drawing. It's a gift. I have two more pictures that I want to put up. So... One of those is Chris and Joel, and then the other one is Heather and Joel and Atlas. And if you were here, what was that last week? If you were here last week, Joel gave his testimony, and he shared that he had been struggling with suicidal thoughts. And he had actually been struggling with that for a little while, and he had shared it again with us one Saturday night, and I was like, okay. I'm like, it's time for us to call in reinforcement. <laughs> like, I can't do this on my own. And so that Saturday night, I had sent a text to some leadership and friends. And I said, hey, tomorrow, this is what Joel's struggling with. I shared it all with them. And I said, tomorrow during church, can you guys just, can we pray over him? And if you know Joel, you know during worship, he comes up front a lot. He dances. He'll get on his face before the Lord. And so that was that following Sunday morning. And he was on his face before the Lord. And this was the picture. This is what happened. And I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, you are so good. Like that picture right there, that represents the canopy itself. They were literally being the canopy over my child. The canopy of protection and intimacy. And little Atlas was doing the same thing. I don't know that I would have that. I don't know that my kids would have that had I not been able to work through certain things over the years that were offensive to me or that I didn't agree with. I remained under the canopy of the Lord. And so this is a result of that. This is beautiful. And you know what? That, that night in my kitchen, Joel was delivered. The Lord delivered him from those thoughts. But these, are, these pictures, they're a good example of what the enemy doesn't want you to have. They're a good example of what the enemy wants to steal from you. I mean, listen, we know that God has a plan for us, right? That plan includes relationships with him and each other and staying underneath the canopy of his word. That's his plan for our lives. Everything else will fall into place when we do that. But you know who else has a plan for your life? Satan. The enemy, he's got all sorts of plans for your life. 
And as long as he can keep you going in and out, back and forth from the canopy, he's going to be happy. As long as he can keep you in a place where you're not really submitted fully to God's word, where one day you agree with it, but then the next you might be with certain people or in a certain situation, so maybe you don't agree with it. As long as he can keep you in this back and forth place, he's not going to have to worry about you because you won't be underneath the canopy long enough to ever grow roots deep enough to keep you from being pulled out and pushed out by every opinion and feeling that butts up against the truth. You won't experience the protection and the intimacy of the Lord and his body that he has for you. I think what we really need, what we really need in situations like this where we are within a church and maybe you're struggling or you're, you're finding out, well, I don't know that I really agree with that and you start to be, become uncomfortable, what you need is the Holy Spirit. You need the direction of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It's that tension. Your flesh wants to lead. The Spirit's like, nope, come back here. The spirit wants to lead, your flesh is like, no, come back here. If you let your flesh lead, you'll constantly be outside the boundaries and the structure of what God's put in place for your life. You'll be putting yourself in positions where you're susceptible to the lies of the enemy. You'll constantly be questioning what God said. But if you allow the spirit to lead you, he will be your compass. He will keep you where you're supposed to be. And being in a church that isn't afraid to stand on the word of God and preach the truth, I think is one of those places. I don't, I don't ever want to be in another church that does not stand boldly on the truth of God, ever. Not in this time we're living in, guys. I'll tell you what, if... It's not about just us. It's about the next generation. Our kids are going to have to stand unashamedly, so boldly on the truth of God. And we're either going to help them do that. We're either going to give them a foundation to do that or we're not. And they'll be some of the people on sinking sand. So I just, I want to say I'm extremely thankful for this church. I'm grateful that it's led by people who hold the word of God as the ultimate and final authority. Listen, I, I've seen this happen. Our leaders are willing to sacrifice their own reputations and their own likability because they are not willing to bend their knee to anything but this. And I'm thankful for that. We're living in a time, it's not popular to do that. The word of God is being violently attacked. There is continuous pressure for our leaders, not just us, but for our leaders to conform themselves to the world and not be transformed by this, right? That's Romans 12. 
Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what will renew your mind. So if you don't think that they feel that tension of conforming to the world, because you know what, that'd be a lot easier. Let's just agree. Let's agree with it because it's gonna be a lot easier. And everybody will like me if I just agree. Believe me, they feel that. It's getting harder and harder, you guys, to find a church who will remain underneath the canopy of God's word. So I just want to say, you have found it here, if that's what you're looking for. You have found it here. And I want to leave you with this today. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, I ask that in these times you would give us all the strength and the courage to stand on it. And Lord, I thank you for our leaders who are not willing to compromise, Lord. Bless our leaders, Lord. In Jesus' name.